Well, my guest is about to begin a long overdue and well-deserved sabbatical after an exceedingly successful voyage at the helm of MSU, that's Michigan State University Extension. I have had the pleasure of interviewing him many times, most recently at the Sylvester Broom Empowerment Village in Flint. And it is again, a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Jeff Dwyer to the MSU Today microphone. Good to see you again, Jeff. Well, it's great to be here, Kirk. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you again and, and, and appreciate so much the support that you and Russ and many others have provided to us over the years. Before we uh, begin with some of the topics, uh, Jeff, heartiest congratulations uh, on your five years as the director of Michigan State University Extension. And uh, frankly, having some personal experience with delayed sabbaticals, <laughs> I know how much you're looking forward to some time for some new endeavors. I am, and thank you for that. Although, you know, let me say, and I know you've heard me say many times in public, it is a privilege for me to be the director of MSU Extension. It's, uh, it's been the highlight of my professional career. I mean, it's not very often that you get to wake up every single day knowing that the organization you're a part of is impacting tens of thousands of people that day. And that's what it's like being the director of MSU Extension, working with over 600 people who are immensely talented, located all over the state and just doing great work every day. Well, Jeff, we didn't rehearse this interview, but that's a perfect segue because my first question, and I'm going to keep it kind of open-ended here, but looking back over your five years, what are some of the initiatives uh, of which you're the most proud? So one is I think that we have helped people understand uh, across the state among all of our partner organizations, the true breadth of what MSU Extension is capable of doing. And so for example, we've historically been associated with agriculture, with 4-H, uh, but I think that over the last five years, we've helped people understand that we do a tremendous amount of work in healthcare and that that's very important, uh, that we do a tremendous amount of work in community development and that that's very important. Uh, and so I think that we've, uh, I've certainly tried through a number of, of, of efforts we've made uh, with my colleagues to uh, really broaden the scope of understanding of what MSU Extension is capable of. I think a second thing is, and you, you mentioned the Broom Center, and you and I have talked about uh, our efforts in Flint um, a great deal. Um, you know, one of the things that Flint did was remind people that MSU Extension is one of those rare organizations that doesn't have to go to a place like Flint to help when it's needed, uh, because we're already there. But given that we're there, we can help emergently, but we can also grow. And so Flint's a good experience because we've had uh, extension agents in Flint since 1907. And when the Flint water crisis hit, uh, really right at the beginning of my tenure as director of, of MSU Extension, uh, um, we had uh, in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 people working full-time in Flint and Genesee County. Now we have well over 40. Uh, working there full-time on a regular basis. And that's because we, we were able to build on the great people that were already there and helping Flint in this particular crisis uh, and bring in other resources to grow what we're doing there. Uh, so I think the ability to respond emergently in communities is something that people have a better understanding of. And then I, I like to think that we have also um, really helped our on-campus colleagues uh, become more aware 
of what it can mean to work with MSU Extension and how that can really amplify their work. And one area I'll point out, uh, uh, Kirk, is that um, the, the three-year moving average on our competitive external grant funding in MSU Extension is now $33 million a year. It's now the single largest revenue stream that we have. Others are very important. But my point in that is we have grown that because of our collaboration with faculty all over campus. Uh, and so I'm very pleased. And then the final thing I'll mention, and I could go on and on, but the final thing I'll mention is uh, for a whole variety of reasons, including some very hard decisions that had to be made by my predecessors over 10 years ago uh, in the, the, the real recession period and the loss of 80 to 90 staff in, the, in around 2010 plus minus, one of the things Extension had to really step back from is international engagement. And we've really reinvested there with uh, the help of our colleagues at Ag Bio Research and Doug Bueller and Kareem Meridia and many others. And I'm very proud of the fact that we're now actively engaged in places like India and Uzbekistan and Indonesia and Ireland, where we can really make a difference by working with partners in those countries as well. Well, that's quite a yeah, that's quite a litany there, and that, that doesn't cover all of them. I've got a couple more here I'd like uh, you to comment on, as well. Uh, even before COVID hit, uh, there were some really hard times in rural America, particularly on farms, and you've launched some mental health initiatives. Uh, now with COVID, I mean these mental health uh, problems uh, transcend rural America, and they're affecting all of us. Uh, a little bit about some of the things that MSU Extension did in terms of mental health. This is one of the areas I'm most proud of, and that is that uh, back about four years ago, we became very aware, as did our partners at the Michigan Department of Ag and Rural Development, as well as others, uh, that there were some real struggles in rural America and on farms. And particularly, we were seeing, at least anecdotally, we thought an uptick in attempted suicides and uh, completed suicides uh, in farm communities and in farm families. Uh, and that was of great concern. And so uh, we invested uh, in our first uh, experts in behavioral health at that time, three and a half to four years ago. Uh, and Kirk, that's now grown to, we now have seven full-time people whose principal focus is mental health or behavioral health. And, and that's how big the need is. And what's fascinating about it is uh, a couple of things. One is, as you know, that's not a traditional area of emphasis in uh, extension. And so we did get a lot of questions at first about why are we doing this? You know, we should really be focusing on helping people grow things and health really isn't our domain. And today I can tell you that there's nobody that says that. Uh, and I think there's a, there's, there's, uh, people are very grateful that we've been able to invest. And I think that's something that aligns with the ability to address emergent issues in communities is we have the ability to pivot and invest in new areas uh, by working closely with our partners and our funders. And that's one example. I think another thing that's important about it is that I think we've been successful in addressing farm stress and mental health issues in rural and farming communities because of our behavioral health expertise that we now have in place, well, I contend that we could have a hundred experts in mental health and behavioral health, but without the more than century of experience and trust 
built by our agriculture experts in those communities, we would never have gotten in the door. And so I believe that the success is really based on the fact that our agriculture experts who as individuals sometimes had decades of experience and, and friendship and, and in those communities, they were able to walk in the door with our behavioral health experts and really say, this is someone that's my colleague. This is someone that you should trust like me. And they have really important information um, that, that, um, that you could hear. And, and I'll say that this has been a transformation, I think, within Extension too, Kurt. So um, you know some of our, our educators that have been with us for a very long time. And, and I think even they would admit that some of them were very skeptical at first about why would we focus on mental health? Why would we focus on behavioral health, particularly in farming communities? Um, and some of them flat out told us that no one will come to your meetings. And one of the stories that I like best is that one of our uh, outstanding educators on the agriculture side, who was pretty vocal about the fact that he didn't think that this was really a, a good idea, that this wasn't a domain we should be in, was in one of the very first public meetings and happened to sit next to uh, an older gentleman, uh, a decades-long farmer, multi-generational farming family that our educator knew for a long time. And about halfway through the presentation, that older gentleman farmer turned to our educator and said, we need this. Where has this information been all this time? And I later learned that that gentleman became part of a group of local farmers that met on a weekly basis. They may still meet on a weekly basis, but at least they did for a very long period of time, precisely so that they could take the education they learned about Check in on your colleagues, check in on your friends, ask them questions if you're concerned about them. And they use those weekly opportunities to have a cup of coffee together as a way to check in on each other. And I think that's the power of all of this is it's about the fact that we're able to be embedded in communities. I mean, we go to church with the people we serve. We, we see them in the grocery store and, and, and the amount of trust that can be built in that. And then alongside that, to be able to bring the expertise and the programming and, and the talent of a great land-grant university literally to every community in the state of Michigan. It's, it's really remarkable. I'm Kirk Heinze for MSU Today. I'm talking with Dr. Jeff Dwyer, who's embarking on a very well-earned sabbatic uh, after five years at the helm of Michigan State University Extension. Another uh, very timely uh, issue, and. I mean, it's a it's it's an it's an international issue, but it's a major national concern, uh, especially over the last few years. But that's the whole matter of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know that uh, Michigan State has been moving aggressively uh, forward in 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 that area. But so did MSU Extension under your leadership. Let me say at the outset, my own personal view as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion is that it's not just an important thing to do for a whole list of reasons that you and I could, could enunciate here. Uh, but it's what will make us better. And I think it, it's, it's understanding that that has really helped uh, the work that we've done in MSU Extension in particular. And let me say that I've learned a tremendous amount over the last five years, and particularly in the last year, 
and have been pushed and prodded uh, by my colleagues in extension who care deeply about this. Uh, and, and let me share some of the things that we've done. So uh, first of all, I've been very public, including in my fall extension conference uh, uh, presentation uh, for our entire staff uh, of 600 plus uh, that, that racism is a public health crisis and that it's something we need to be thinking about literally every minute of every day. And I think that has really helped to reinforce the importance of this from an organizational perspective. But really what we've been able to do is driven by individuals that are raising their voice every single day. So um, back in June, we started uh, weekly, they're now bi-weekly, but they were weekly for several months, what we call director's listening sessions on race and racism. And we've never had less than 100 people on listening sessions. We have often had more than 200. And if I had to pick, I'd say we average between 150 and 175 every single session. And it's an opportunity certainly to learn. So this past Monday, we had a really an outstanding presentation from a colleague at Colorado State on indigenous populations and on uh, how to engage and understand uh, uh, in, in that, that environment. Um, but it's often an opportunity for our people just to share. So as you know, as well as I do, there have been a, a number of things over the past several months completely separate from COVID in some cases, but sometimes associated with COVID that um, have, have caused all of us to think about a lot of different things. And this has really been an open forum for us to share, for us to support each other. Uh, it's also been an important environment uh, in the COVID context to talk. Um, we've been very fortunate that we've not lost any of our staff in MSU Extension uh, to coronavirus, but I have many colleagues in Extension, in particular of the state, who need more than one hand to count the number of family members and friends that they've lost. And so there is variability in the impacts of, of COVID. And so these listening sessions led to the development of affinity groups of our black colleagues, of our, of our colleagues uh, of color, and also uh, white ally affinity groups, where people have a safe environment to talk about what is it like to do their jobs every day and deal with racism uh, and those sorts of things. And we've learned a tremendous amount. And now we're just so pleased that uh, with the support of the college and the university, we have the opportunity to fill a number of positions across the state, a number of different areas and extension in coming months. And we're really focused on using this as an opportunity uh, to make sure that this cohort of individuals mirrors the people we are serving, but frankly, per perhaps more important, mirror mirrors the people that we should be serving, but aren't yet. And so this is a tremendous uh, uh, emphasis for MSU Extension. Uh, it's one I've tried to be a helpful uh, part of in my leadership role, but I can, can absolutely say uh, that it's an area that will continue to be a major area of focus for extension for a long time to come. And uh, hopefully for Michigan State University and hopefully for the society at large, absolutely. no question about that. 
Absolutely. Uh, another area, uh, Jeff Dwyer, is uh, of course the environmental challenges, and we'll get to some of the challenges in a moment. But uh, a little bird told me that you uh, participated in the Great Lakes Environmental Camp. Uh, <laughs> you know, now you would yeah. think I would have heard of that, and, and I, I guess it was maybe kind of like boot camp or something. Uh, but tell us about that, and did, what impact did that have on you? Yeah, I mean, one of one of the great experiences I've had while being director of extension, I spent uh, a little over a day, including overnight at our uh, Great Lakes Natural Resources Camp up in the northeast part of the lower peninsula. Uh, and, you know, I guess a couple of things uh, come to mind. One is just how engaging the youth are that participate in those kinds of opportunities and and just so thrilled that we're able to be a part of of, of giving them that opportunity. Secondly, I saw some of the most amazing colleagues provide uh, science-based education, literally standing in a lake, literally standing in the <laughs> that I've ever seen. I mean, that people that I get to work with are capable of doing that without a blackboard, without a whiteboard, without a PowerPoint. It's really quite remarkable. And then the, the third thing that the little birdie might have told you is that I uh, was part of a demonstration of sea lamprey. And uh, I not only held one, which was an interesting experience, but then I was invited to uh, uh, perch it on my forehead. And I ended up with uh, quite a hickey on my forehead from that sea lamprey. <laughs> yeah, Michigan State's done some amazing research related to the sea lamprey. We, we covered that a few times on, on the old Greening of the Great Lakes program. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, of things that, uh, that you feel really good about. Uh, your uh, colleague, Patrick Cudney, will take over as interim director uh, as you move on to your sabbatical. Uh, what are some of the, the, the major challenges that Patrick will face uh, as his team gets in place? Yeah, it's a great question. And Patrick has just been a marvelous colleague. And, uh, you know, I, I, I get uh, credit for a lot of success that we've had in extension um, over the, the five years that I've been in this role. Um, but I'm, I would be remiss if I didn't say that virtually none of those things I get credit for would have happened without uh, the leadership partnership that I've had with Patrick over these five years. Uh, and, and, and MSU Extension is in very good hands under his leadership in the coming months. Um, but I think the challenges uh, are in, in a few different domains. One is that uh, I think that we've shown that MSU Extension can impact communities uh, in ways that we have historically, but also in new ways. And uh, we have grown pretty significantly over the past five years, and there is the potential to grow significantly more in terms of the human resources we have on the ground to do the work that we do. And so I think one challenge is going to be finding uh, increased revenue streams, perhaps new revenue streams, but certainly growing uh, the streams that we've introduced in recent years around contracts and grants, around new partnerships that didn't exist before, and also philanthropy. So I think continuing to build in those areas will be a challenge. Uh, I think another challenge will be, as happens every decade uh, after the census data becomes available, which it soon 
uh, will is that we establish uh, new baseline contracts with all counties across the state. And so I think those uh, are always challenging conversations and we have enjoyed such great support from counties over a hundred years, including while we've worked virtually over the past year. And so I anticipate that everything will go very, very well, but it's a challenging series of conversations. And, you know, it, it, Patrick would be the first to tell you, if, if you understand uh, one county in Michigan of the 83, you understand one county of 83, that they're all different, that there may be some, a few common elements and threads that run through them all, but they each have their unique needs and opportunities and things like that. And then um, I, I think one of the challenges, uh, but I'm very, uh, uh, I think um, Patrick uh, will, will provide great leadership in this domain is to continue while growing the organization uh, to enhance diversity and then to really not just recruit into the organization, but to do everything possible to retain the outstanding people that we've shown that we can recruit. Um, and so I think that, that um, those are at least three things that will be challenges, but um, I know that we have a whole leadership team working with Patrick that will make that happen. And frankly, I'm very excited to watch uh, what, what occurs over the next few months and years. My guest is Jeff Dwyer. Uh, who is embarking on a sabbatic and will return to the faculty in two colleges, the College of Agriculture and Natural Resources and the College of Human Medicine. Uh, and uh, another area that uh, uh, you're a sociologist. And so, I mean, this might be kind of a tough one, but organizations change, as you well know, you're the sociologist, mean, you know, I'm not the sociologist, but cultures change over time. Uh, would you, how would you characterize any major changes? Uh, you've often been cited for helping to uh, the culture evolve, I guess would be a good way. How has Extension's culture evolved, do you think, and moved in different directions during your tenure? One important outcome of more people knowing about the great work that we do and the diversity of the work that we do is that our people are more regularly being made visible in their roles. And so I think that we've changed the culture some in terms of the pride that people have being a part of Michigan State University Extension. But Kirk, I'll extend that to being a part of Michigan State University. And, and I think this is really important. So I think maybe if you and I went back and, and listened to our very first interview, one of the things that I was struck by when I started in this role was that I would have some colleagues in Extension that would say, well, I'm a part of Michigan State University Extension, but I'm not a part of Michigan State University. And I would sort of scratch my head as an outsider and sort of wonder well, how actually does that help because it or happen because it says Michigan State University in the title of your organization, it says Michigan State University on your green paycheck. You know, how does that work? But what it helped me understand is a, is a bigger thing. And that is that I think that as a university, we had gotten away from feeling some ownership over MSU Extension. And I think those in MSU Extension had kind of gotten away from feeling that connection to 
the larger university. And so I do think we've changed the culture in this regard. And so we focused a great deal in my early couple of years on the notion that, I, and I would repeat often to my colleagues that you may be the only Michigan State University that people know in your community. And we, we focused on um, making sure that our people had MSU extension and MSU branded gear that they wore when they did their programming, which we had gotten away from and those sorts of things. So I think we've changed the culture. Um, you know, it's not perfect, but I think we've changed the culture both in terms of the extent to which MSU extension colleagues feel a part of MSU, but also the extent to which my colleagues at MSU understand that MSU extension is a part of who they are too, and, and, and a very important part of who they are. And then I think that um, we've changed the culture in terms of being able to respond emergently to issues and sometimes in new areas. And so, you know, it's not unusual in a large complex organization like MSU Extension you know, you sort of get stuck in these ruts of, well, these are my goals for the year and this is my work plan and, you know, something new pops up and you're like, well, that's not on my work plan. And therefore, well, I'm here to tell you, COVID-19 was on, not on anybody's work plan a year ago, right? And so I think we've changed the culture there too, Kurt, in understanding that, that um, you know, if someone's standing in front of us and they have a problem or, they have a health need, or they have some other uh, 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 need that we can address, our job is to figure out if we can do that. And if we can't do that, to get them to the people who can. And so uh, I'm a big believer uh, in the fact that, you know, organizations need the, the right leader at the right time. And I think that, you know, selfishly, I like to think that, that uh, uh, someone with my background, something with sort of an alternative perspective on some things uh, has been useful in extension um, over the last five years. But I also think it's a good time uh, for another leader to come on board. And as Patrick fills an acting role and then Quentin Tyler will fill an acting role, and, and uh, Dean Hendrick will lead a national search. And I think it's gonna be very exciting uh, to see the range of people that will be attracted to this job because of the great work that my colleagues do. Uh, Jeff Dwyer, you mentioned uh, maybe over the years some of the disconnect between the university and Michigan State University Extension. Uh, historically, there's sometimes been disconnect within extension between the campus and the field. Uh, it, you took sort of your own, some of your own personal initiatives, though, uh, to bridge that that gap that's occurred off and on through time. I mean, you did that tour of all the counties. Uh, you call folks up when something's going well. I think you call them kudos calls or something of that nature. You welcome new employees into the organization with phone calls within a week or two of their hiring. Those sorts of things uh, certainly uh, certainly enhance cultural change. I think they do, Kirk. And, and uh, you know, you referred to the, 
the tour of the state that I did in 17 weeks uh, uh, in the summer of 2019, remarkable experience. Uh, but, but you're absolutely right. I think it's important that, you know, one of the things that that did because of the social media and other things that we did is it, it really helped people understand that we truly are engaged in every single county in a number of different ways. And, you know, people could track me sort of on a map going uh, as I found my way through all the counties and districts and everything. And, and I think, you know, a big part of the point was we have an impact everywhere and we want people to know that. And so uh, I think that is a part of culture change. I think that a part of culture change is, um, as you point out too, I'm just a big believer in the fact that at the end of the day, I'm just a part of, a, of the team. I have said many, many, many times that it's very fortunate for me that there's a role of director in MSU Extension because I'm incapable of doing anything else in the organization. I do not have the expertise of any of my 600 plus colleagues in the organization. And so I'm lucky that there is this role of director that I could fill for this period of time and therefore be part of a team. And as I said in my, my remarks to our entire staff at our, our all staff monthly webinar uh, a week ago, um, you know, I listed some things that I'll miss in this job and tried to be a little humorous with some of those. But I ended by saying that, that the thing I'll miss most is being a part of the team. And I just think that's very important because I think that it's easy in these large complex organizations to sort of be viewed as, as the person at the top of this immense hierarchy. And that's just not how I think of it at all. I also think, and this is just, you know, we all bring our own styles and perspectives to these jobs, but I've always felt like it's been very important that people knew me as a human being. And it's impossible for me to really know all 600 plus people. And so I've tried to find ways over the years to um, share with people in a way that helped them understand the larger point I was trying to make, but also understood that it was personally important to me. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Honestly, I think one of the reasons that we were able to change the culture so quickly within the organization around uh, mental health, around behavioral health and those sorts of things is because in uh, 2017, during my fall extension conference talk, when I was talking about why this was important and why um, it was important that as an organization we invested in this area um, was that as I looked out across the audience that we knew by the numbers, because there were 600 people sitting there, we knew by the numbers that somewhere between 50 and 100 people in that room had some significant experience with severe depression. And then I went on to say that that included me. And so I think that people in leadership roles have to find what their comfort level is, but it's, you've gotten to know me a bit over the last five years and my close colleagues in extension would 
one of the things they would say is that um, my foot is always on the gas. <laughs> and, and when it's clear to me that we need to do something or change something, I, I want to get there in an appropriate fashion in an appropriate time frame, but I don't want it to want it to take any longer than it has to. And so I felt strongly at that time that if I could speed things up in terms of culture change around the importance of mental health and behavioral health by sharing my own experience in that regard, it was worth doing. I've also shared a bit about my family at times. And my colleagues will tell you that, um, and, and people who know me well know this, but most wouldn't know this. Um, I mean, I can't talk about my family most of the time uh, in those kinds of situations without getting emotional. And it becomes very clear that I'm emotional. And, and I think that it is important that people understand that I feel that deeply. And then you may also have heard that at times I have also sung in front of our entire organization. I keep a close watch <laughs> on this heart of mine. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I keep the ends up for the time that I find. Because you're fine. I walk the line. I worked really hard. <laughs> I'm not a good singer. Uh, I like to have fun with it. But, but it's been a way on a couple of occasions to make some larger points that I was trying to make while also showing some vulnerability on my part. And the first time that I did that, it really was around this trying to change the culture in terms of stretching ourselves into new areas and responding immediately to people. Because part of my point was, I just sang a part of a Charlie Pride song in front of 600 people, acapella. If I can do that, you can do what you need to do too. <laughs> when I'm gone. When I'm gone, you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Miss me when I've left. Okay, let's try it again. <laughs> you're gonna miss me by my walk. You're gonna miss me by my talk. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Gonna miss me by my walk. You're gonna miss me by my talk. Oh, you're gonna miss me when I'm gone. <laughs> For those folks out there listening who aren't too familiar with Extension, or maybe they are uh, familiar with maybe a 4-H piece or an ag piece uh, or the Flint water piece, uh, what would you say as you uh, step down from the uh, directorship, uh, what thoughts would you leave to the, I guess, the citizens of Michigan? I would say to uh, residents of Michigan, those that have worked with us in the past and those that haven't, um, reach out, go to our website at extension.msu.edu where we now have nearly uh, one and a half million visitors per month uh, because of the outstanding contact, uh, content there. Reach out through the university. It will find its way to us, uh, but also reach out in your communities because, because I have colleagues who you're sitting next to in the church pew. I have colleagues who you're standing next to six feet apart now uh, in the grocery store line. Uh, and and the, the, the great thing about my colleagues in MSU Extension is if 
the individual that you're interacting with or, or questioning doesn't have the expertise that you need in that moment, it's important to remember that they have more than 600 colleagues all across the state that they can reach out to immediately. And they have more than 3,000 faculty and staff colleagues at Michigan State University that they can reach out to as well. And so I, I really hope that residents of Michigan increasingly see MSU Extension as not just the window into solving their immediate problem or even just the window into the larger framework of a great land grant university at Michigan State University, but really a window into solving some of the, the, the most important issues that they're dealing with as an individual, as a family, and as a community. Well, once again, I've had the great pleasure of talking with Jeff Dwyer as he steps down after five successful years as a director of MSU Extension. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for your time and obviously all the best during your sabbatic and uh, all the new adventures that are going to come after that. Well, thank you very much. And again, I want to say, Kirk, to you and to Russ and so many others that have supported me personally, provided these kinds of opportunities over these years. I, I'm, I'm really grateful and I'm looking forward to uh, contributing in other ways I'd, uh, yet unknown. <laughs>